I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today's reading is Genesis chapters 35 to 37. In chapter 35, we see that Jacob rededicates his life, and he also gets a name change. Genesis 35 verse 1. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them. And they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all the people that were with him. And he built there an altar, and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him, when he fled from the face of his brother. But Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak, and the name of it was called Alan Bekuth. And God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Paddan Aram and blessed him. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, to thee I will give it, and to thy seed after thee will I give the land. And God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering thereon, and he poured oil thereon. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him, Bethel. We see in these 15 verses that unloading false gods and idol worship from Jacob's household had apparently been a challenge, shall we say. You will recall that Rachel had taken her dad's idols upon departure from Haran. It would appear that she wasn't the only one with conflicted worship practices in the family. When God speaks once again to Jacob, it's time for all of that to go. Jacob collects the idols and buries them near Shechem. And it's moving time once again. Why move? Well, Levi and Simeon had just wiped out the city of Shechem back in Genesis chapter 34. And they collected everything of value, including the women and children. Jacob had expressed at that time concern after the incident that from now on, the other surrounding towns may jump to the wild conclusion that Jacob and his clan were not such good neighbors. As a matter of fact, verse 5 indicates that the neighbors were quite fearful of Jacob's family. 
So Jacob heads back to Bethel, about 20 miles south of Shechem. Upon arrival in Bethel, God renews all the seed promises given to Abraham and Isaac. Jacob is told that all those promises will now be fulfilled through his descendants. If you want to know more about that, see the article under the topic section of BibleTrack.org entitled The Abrahamic Covenant. Oh, one more thing. God changes Jacob's name to Israel. I doubt that the name change fooled his new neighbors. We do see in Genesis 37 verse 12 that Jacob maintained his land in Shechem for the purpose of grazing his livestock. Now, if you've been reading along with this, you know that there may be a little bit of confusion here about the name change. God changes Jacob's name to Israel here in verse 10. But you're thinking, hey, I thought we already went through that back in Genesis chapter 32 verse 28. Well, that's true. It was back some 10 years ago or so on the occasion of Jacob coming home from Haran after he had that wrestling bout with God. After that incident, it appears that Jacob is still mostly referred to as Jacob. However, after the declaration of the name change in this chapter, we see that the name Israel appears with significant frequency. We see the naming of Bethel for the second time here, the first being in Genesis chapter 28 verse 19, and the second being here in verse 15. While we see references to Bethel in Genesis 12:8 and Genesis 13:3, Apparently, it was actually called Luz by the locals until Jacob renames it. Beginning with verse 16 of chapter 35, we see the death of Isaac and Rachel. And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass, when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass, as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar upon her grave, that is the pillar of Rachel's grave unto this day. And Israel journeyed and spread his tent beyond the tower of Edar. And it came to pass, when Israel went in that land, that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard it. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. The sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon and Levi and Judah and Issachar and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. And the sons of Bilhah, Rachel's handmaid, Dan and Naphtali. And the sons of Zilpah, Leah's handmaid, Gad and Asher, these are the sons of Jacob, which were born to him in Paddan Aram. And Jacob came unto Isaac his father into Mamre, to the city of Arba, which is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac sojourned. And the days of Isaac were an hundred and fourscore years. And Isaac gave up the ghost and died, and was gathered unto his people, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Well, in this passage, Rachel dies while bearing her last son, Benjamin. Actually, she names him Benoni, which means son of my pain, an appropriate name for the child whose birth results in her death. By the way, in Hebrew, the prefix Ben means son. I suppose Jacob is hesitant to let his son grow up with such a tag. Jacob changes his name to Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Well, that's better. 
Then we have Reuben, son of Leah, taking advantage of Rachel's handmaid. That was Jacob's concubine, Bilhah. And that was after Rachel's death in verse 22. As a matter of fact, Jacob never forgets Reuben's act. even mentions it on his deathbed in Genesis chapter 49, verses 3 and 4, when he's passing out blessings. Now it's down to Hebron, where Jacob's father Isaac finally passes away after being 180 years old. You will recall that Isaac apparently thought he was dying 43 years ago. That was back in Genesis chapter 27. Well, Jacob and Esau bury their father. Now we get a recap of the sons of Jacob in verses 23 to 26. In chapter 36, we see that Esau moves away from the family farm. Verse 1. Now these are the generations of Esau, who is Edom. Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan, Adah, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, and Ahalabama, the daughter of Anah, the daughter of Zibion, the Havite, and Bashimoth, Ishmael's daughter, sister of Nebajoth. And Adah bare to Esau Eliphaz, and Bashimoth bare Ruel. And Ahalabama bare Jeush, and Jaalam, and Korah, these are the sons of Esau, which were born unto him in the land of Canaan. And Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all the persons of his house and his cattle and all his beasts and all his substance, which he had got in the land of Canaan, and went into the country from the face of his brother Jacob. For the riches were more than they might dwell together. And the land wherein they were strangers could not bear them because of their cattle. Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. And these are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites, in Mount Seir. These are the names of Esau's sons, Eliphaz, the son of Adah, the wife of Esau, Ruel, the son of Bashemoth, the wife of Esau. And the sons of Eliphaz were Teman, Omar, Zepho, and Gatam, and Kenaz. And Timnah was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son, and she bare to Eliphaz Amalek. These were the sons of Adah, Esau's wife. And these are the sons of Ruel, Nahath, and Zerah, Shammah, and Mizah. These were the sons of Bashemoth, Esau's wife. And these were the sons of Ahalabama, the daughter of Anah, the daughter of Zibion, Esau's wife. And she bare to Esau Jeush, and Jaalam, and Korah. These were dukes of the sons of Esau, the sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn son of Esau, Duke Teman, Duke Omar, Duke Zepho, Duke Kenaz, Duke Korah, Duke Gatum, and Duke Amalek. These are the dukes that came to Eliphaz in the land of Edom. These were the sons of Adah. And these are the sons of Ruel, Esau's son, Duke Nahath, Duke Zerah, Duke Shammah, Duke Mizah. These are the dukes that came of Ruel in the land of Edom. These are the sons of Bashemoth, Esau's wife. And these are the sons of Ahalabama, Esau's wife. Duke Jeush, Duke Jaalam, Duke Korah. These were the dukes that came of Ahalabama, the daughter of Anah, Esau's wife. These are the sons of Esau, who is Edom, and these are their dukes. These are the sons of Seir the Horite, who inhabited the land. 
Lotan, and Shobal, and Zibion, and Anah, and Dishon, and Ezer, and Dishon. These are the dukes of the Horites, the children of Seir, in the land of Edom. And the children of Lotan were Horai, and Heman, and Lotan's sister was Timnah. And the children of Shobal were these, Alvin, and Manahath, and Ebal, and Shepho, and Onam. And these are the children of Zibion, both Ajah and Anah. This was that Anah that found the mules in the wilderness as he fed the asses of Zibion, his father. And the children of Anah were these, Dishon and Ahalabama, the daughter of Anah. And these are the children of Dishon, Hemdon and Eshbon and Ithron and Kiron. The children of Ezer are these, Bilhan and Zaavan and Akon. The children of Dishon are these, Uz and Aaron. These are the dukes that came of the Horites, Duke Lotan, Duke Shobal, Duke Zibion, Duke Anah, Duke Dishon, Duke Ezer, Duke Dishon. These are the dukes that came out of Horai, among their dukes in the land of Seir. And these are the kings that reigned in the land of Edom before there reigned any king over the children of Israel. And Bela the son of Beor reigned in Edom, and the name of his city was Dinhaba. And Bela died, and Jobab the son of Zerah of Basra reigned in his stead. And Jobab died, and Husham of the land of Timani reigned in his stead. And Husham died, and Hadad the son of Bedad who smote Midian in the field of Moab, reigned in his stead, and the name of his city was Avath. And Hadad died, and Samla of Masrakah reigned in his stead. And Samla died, and Saul of Rehoboth by the river reigned in his stead. And Saul died, and Baal-Hanan the son of Akbor reigned in his stead. And Baal-Hanan the son of Akbor died, and Hadar reigned in his stead. And the name of his city was Peo, and his wife's name was Mehetabal, the daughter of Matred, the daughter of Mezahab. And these are the names of the dukes that came of Esau, according to their families, after their places, by their names, Duke Temnah, Duke Alva, Duke Jetheth, Duke Ahalabama, Duke Elah, Duke Pinon, Duke Kenaz, Duke Timon, Duke Mizbar, Duke Magdael, Duke Iram, these be the dukes of Edom according to their habitations in the land of their possession. He is Esau, the father of the Edomites. Esau has passed away here, and the family farm had already been given to Jacob by Isaac 43 years earlier. It's not a big deal for Esau, though. He's rich. As a matter of fact, he's so rich with cattle, there's not even enough room to graze his cattle and Jacob's cattle in the same region. So Esau moves east to what would become known as Edom. Esau is the father of the Edomites. The remainder of this chapter lists Esau's descendants. Take note of verses 8 and 20 compared to Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse 12. It says, The Horams also dwelt in Seir before time, but the children of Esau succeeded them when they had destroyed them from before them, and dwelt in their stead, as Israel did into the land of his possession, which the Lord gave unto them. So it would appear that Esau drove out the previous inhabitants of the land, 
Afterward, he occupied their territory in Edom. Later on, however, the Edomites would become a great nuisance to Israel. In Numbers chapter 20, verses 14 to 21, the Edomites deny Israel passage through their land on the way to Canaan. Israel's relationship with them was always problematic. The entire book of Obadiah is a prophecy against these Edomites. We've got a lot of future conflicts with the Edomites. Uh, Saul, Solomon, Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, and Ahaz, all of them had conflicts with the Edomites. Later on, we have a lot of the prophets that uh, prophesied against Edom. Isaiah does in Isaiah chapter 11, Jeremiah 49, Ezekiel 25, Daniel 11, Amos 2, the whole book of Obadiah, as I mentioned, and Malachi chapter 1. As you can see, the goodwill between Israel and Esau's descendants, Edom eventually soured and soured terribly. In chapter 37, we have the story of Joseph. And Joseph, he has a dream. Beginning with chapter 37, verse 1. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream and told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. Now to fully appreciate Joseph's position in the family, we must recall that Rachel was Jacob's favorite wife. And she only had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. Joseph is 17 years old in this passage. We see that in verse 2. So Benjamin is still a child at home. This passage tells us that Joseph is Jacob's favorite son. That's in verse 3. And he has a new suit of clothes too, a coat of many colors to prove it. What's more, verse 2 tells us that he was a tattletale on his other brothers. Of course, his brothers don't like him, but it gets worse. Joseph has these dreams. That's right, dreams. And they're not your ordinary dreams either. He interprets his dreams before his father and brothers as predictions that he'll be served by all his brothers and he's only 17 years old. Jacob even rebukes Joseph for telling his dreams. It just causes deeper resentment from his brothers. 
As a matter of fact, verse 4 says, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And after he told them his, I'm going to be somebody dream, verse 5 says, they hated him yet the more. Joseph obviously lacked good social skills. Jacob attempts to head off the controversy when he speaks to Joseph in verse 10. And he says, what is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? The resentment of his brothers toward Joseph just continued to grow. So here's the question. How much did Joseph's brothers really hate him? Well, we're going to see that in the next passage in chapter 37, beginning with verse 12. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands, and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands, to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass, when Joseph was coming to his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels, bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content." Then there passed the Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned into the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. And he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat, and killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father, and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it, and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes, and put sackcloth upon his loins, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, 
for I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, and captain of the guard. Well, here's the good news. Joseph found his brothers. And then the bad news. Joseph found his brothers. It was a 20-mile trip from Hebron to Shechem, where they were supposed to be. Then it was another 15 miles over to Dothan, that's northeast of Shechem. And that's where he found them. They are not happy to see him in his colorful new suit of clothing. All but two of the brothers want to just kill him. Reuben and Judah talk them out of it. They strip off his robe and drop him into a pit instead, presumably to die. However, that's apparently not Reuben's plan according to verse 22. He goes back to free him as he had planned when he persuaded his brothers to put him into the pit. But Joseph's not there. Judah had talked his brothers into selling Joseph as a slave to the Midianite traders. Maybe Reuben just wanted to teach Joseph a lesson on humility. Judah didn't want to have blood on his hands. The other brothers were just plain old ruthless people. When Reuben returns to the brothers in a panic, I don't see any indication that they ever told Reuben what had actually happened to Joseph. As a matter of fact, later in Genesis chapter 42, verse 22, Reuben seems to indicate that he does, in fact, think that Joseph is dead. Nevertheless, Reuben does, however, participate in the big old cover-up. Well, they took Joseph's robe, put goat's blood on it, and took it back to Jacob as evidence that Joseph was dead. This would have been a palatable story since a 35-mile trip alone through territories where Jacob's family, well, wasn't particularly liked, could be perceived as a treacherous journey. Joseph ends up as a servant in Potiphar's house in Egypt. So who actually saved Joseph's life? Reuben's noble plan to save Joseph failed. Judah's intentions in verses 26 and 27, well, they don't seem very honorable. But you must admit that his initiative did, in fact, save the life of Joseph from certain death. So, here's a what-if brain teaser. Now listen closely. If the brothers had not sold Joseph into slavery, he would not have been in charge of Pharaoh's Food for Money program in Egypt when the brothers later show up to buy food. They would not have left Canaan, the land of promise, and moved to Egypt under Joseph's protection. Furthermore, they would not have fallen into captivity under Egyptian rule. So you might say that the evil deed of the brothers against Joseph resulted in the 430-year stay for their descendants. It should be remembered, however, that God told Abraham that all this would happen all the way back in Genesis chapter 15, 13. That passage says, And he, being God, said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. Well, here's the reality. God knew what would happen. And in fact, the 430-year captivity in Egypt was all part of God's plan. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition 
written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walter.